Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it again, Bob. I hope you're ready for the next episode on Not Another Boot Camp Podcast. (laughs) I see what you did there, Jimbo. Yeah, we're excited. We've got a fun guest and a fun friend. Dr. Kyle Bierman is with us in the house today. Hey, it's great to be back on the boot camp. It's been a bit. That's a lot of bees. It's been been a while. Well, I am Bob Bickford. (laughs) Bob Bickford. Bob Bickford. Barb Bickford. Beautiful. uh, What is it? The beautiful beautiful Bob. Beautiful below average butterfly singing kisses Bob Bickford. Butterfly singing kisses. Butterfly kisses singing. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, we still got to get that on the podcast at some point. Just just an audio (laughs) snippet of you singing a little bit of butterfly kisses. There's no audio. There is no video. There's only this story that I've shared with you. I I mean, I, at some point, I'm going to need more, but we'll take what we can get. Hey, if you hear a little rattle, that's our Papacito's cups with our water so that we could stay quenched while we have this podcast with you, because when you're in Texas, you have to stop at Papacito's. Yeah, we need to break that down for the listeners. So the listeners that are not in the great state of Texas or have not been through the great nation of Texas. There are a few restaurants that you should check out, but one definitely is Papacitos. Their fajitas are amazing. They marinate their steak in Dr. Pepper. And and if you've never heard that, the first time you hear that, There's a moment where you go, I wonder if that's as good as that sounds. Is it? It's It's better. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And the butter sauce that you get at Papacitos is amazing, too. I mean, pretty much anything marinated in Dr. Pepper and dipped in butter is going to be good. (laughs) I think so. Well, Jimbo, I'm going to challenge you on that. Beets. I do not like beets marinated in Dr. Pepper and dipped in butter. I'm not going for that. Challenge accepted. (laughs) I'm going to figure out how to make it work. That, That needs to happen in an episode. Yeah, you, you get beets marinated in Dr. Pepper and dip them in butter and just record the experience. Yeah, the, it'd be like your hot chip challenge on another <laughs> another move. Another 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 I've retired from that. All right, I had a I had a couple of bad experiences and I'm out on the <laughs> challenge. Well, hey, if you don't know who Kyle Beerman is, Kyle, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us just a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm the rural guy for, for the replant team. And married to Michelle, we have two kids, Noah and Haley. Hold on, is that your official title, the rural guy? I, so I think my <laughs> official title is rural specialist for replant strategies. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, well, I didn't know that was his title. <laughs> You're his boss. Based, I know it's, it's based on the, uh, <laughs> the job description that I got from you. I, I believe. Oh, all right, I um, have to look that up but, again. Yeah, it's, so it's easier just to say. Wait, you got a guy. job description? <laughs> <laughs> With roles and responsibilities and everything, man. It's bullet points. Yeah, so I'm married to Michelle. We have two kids, Noah and Haley, and we live in Lubbock, Texas, where there is not a Papacitos, believe it or not. Yeah. So There's, however, a Twisted Root, oh, which I think is a great amen. burger place. Yes, but, there is. Yeah, uh, this is not a food episode, so we should move <laughs> every, on. Every episode <laughs> is at least a little bit of food episode. But you're not joking. If, if you are anywhere near a Twisted Root, you need to give it a shot. 
Yeah, so a couple good recommendations there for you. Papacitos, Twisted Root. Hey, so not only do you work for the Replant team, not only are you married and have children, but you also have another podcast that you're on, and you have another podcast of which you are, like, what, the executive producer? Something like that. Is that the title? Yeah. If we're Um, we're just making up titles today. You sure, the, the executive producer, which means I push the record button. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So tell us about those other podcasts. Yeah, so the, the first podcast is Not Another Baptist Podcast with Matt Hensley that we've hosted for the last five and a half years, I think it is wow. now. Well, how many episodes is that? We're into the, we're not quite at 200 yet. I think I saw, or we're not quite at 300. I think I saw 289 or something like that mm. Yeah, is where we are. And then, yeah, I'm the executive producer on... The new uh, Revitalize and Replant with Mark Clifton, with special guest uh, Mark Halleck, and hosted by Dan Hurst. And, and I actually, in an episode that'll come up sometime in May or June, like I actually get to make an appearance on the, for, for one line. It's cameo. Mark asked me a question and had me step onto the mic. But now we've got to see if it makes it through post. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I mean, I can make up whatever title. I'm, I'm the guy who pushes the record button on that one. Basically. Well, he does. He, you do a little more than that. You wrangle the talent. I do. And you, you coordinate, coordinate, the, you coordinate getting everybody yeah. together. Schedule. Yeah. You help yeah. decide yeah. some of the content. Yeah. yeah. And then have to, you know, make the notes of, you know, Mark coughed. And we got to take that out here. And so oh, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's good. All right. So a couple other things to know about Kyle, though, is he is also an author, right? So we've got a few things out there with your name. Yeah. As the author line. Talk to us about those real quick. Yeah, so the, the first book uh, was one that I co-wrote with Matt Hensley called Replanting Rural Churches. And that book is all of about 60 pages. So we, we set out to write a book for people who don't like to read. And yeah. it's done pretty well, actually. So I guess that, that hit a niche. And then... Do you have anybody go, man, I hated reading until <laughs> I read that book? <laughs> and then... No, but I mean, we have had some folks say, I don't like to read books, but I read your book. Oh, because good. We got, I got it in That's the mail the and I realized, oh, hey, it's like a pamphlet. So I can read that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um... <laughs> and then and then the book we're talking about today, I uh, reworked my Doctor of Ministry project and turned that into a book called They Devoted Themselves based on Acts 2. Then Hensley and I wrote a Christmas devotional just in 2020 because we weren't doing anything else with our time. So, hey, let's just let's put together a real simple Christmas devotional called The People Who Walked in Darkness. Yeah, and there's another book called Not Another Heresy. <laughs> yes, there is. Could you explain that um, book to us? That is... You're gonna pay about twenty bucks for that, and you're gonna be sorely disappointed. Cause it's a it's a it's a twenty dollar paperweight. It's funny. so it's um yeah not another heresy, a comprehensive guide to like object lessons about the Trinity or something like that that are and, not heretical. And it's eight yes that are not heretical non heretical object lessons for the Trinity, and it's eight hundred pages. And Amazon would not let us just do blank pages. Okay. So every page has one sentence. There are none, period. It's 800 pages of that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and it's the, the largest book format size that we could get on Amazon Kindle Direct. Okay. And you've sold some, actually. We have. I don't know how. Is that how you go why? to Disney every I, year? That's, Is yeah. that? <laughs> and, and Hensley, I remember when he put it up there, he made it like as cheap as possible for that size, and it came out at like seventeen or eighteen dollars. Oh, no. Yeah. And I, I do have one on my shelf. It looks really impressive. It's just a fun novelty. So you know, if you want something on your 
shelf that looks really good. Yeah. Or you know, you need a doorstop. Looks like a really big, thick book. And yeah. you, uh, you know what you do is you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is the book I read this week. Yeah, that's right. And you just show the size of it, and you're like, yeah, this is the kind of book I read in a week. <laughs> it's just a little bit longer than Replant Roadmap by Mark Cowell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> just a bit. It's close. <laughs> All right, well, give us an overview of they devoted themselves. Actually, you know what? Because I know how hard you worked on a doctor, doctoral degree. Like, why that? Why, why was that the subject? of your doctoral research. So I came across this passage, Acts 2, 42 through 47, back when I was a youth minister. I was was at a new church. This would have been like 2007, so I was 23. Came into a new church and was kind of exploring what to do and came across this study. And this is going to age myself here, Bob. You're saying that to the old guy. I'm the old guy. But I came across this study that was put out by Simply Youth Ministry. Oh, yeah. And Doug Fields. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And it was called Church As It Should Be. It was a study of the Book of Acts, like a six-week kind of overview of the Book of Acts. That is a very youth minister title for a book. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I bought this package series from Simply Youth Ministry, and I think it was the second or third, maybe the second lesson in that in that series was on Acts 2, 42 through 47. And so the context of that is, it's the passage that comes right after Pentecost, Hmm. right? So Pentecost, Peter preaches, 3,000 people are saved. And then you get this passage in verses 42 through 47 that just kind of explain what the early church did, how, how how they went about their daily lives as followers of Christ. And so in 2007, like I was still working on my master's degree and I just remember thinking, man, if if I ever write a book, it would probably be on this passage. Like, I just want to dive into this passage. Well, when I got into my demon and started getting closer to my project, it, it dawned on me, this is basically a book that I'm going to have to be working on. And can I take the principles from that passage and turn that into a discipleship project? And uh, so that's the that's the direction that I went with it. And, yeah. you know, I had to do all the academic, had to do like a teaching series at the church. And so I was able to develop kind of study guides based off of that and some questions that made their way into the end of each chapter of the book. And then once I was done with my demon, I had all this research that I'd already put together. And I said, I could fairly simply take this and de Academize. Academize. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> D- dumb it down. No, that sounds D- I smart. I eat <laughs> yeah. an Italian restaurant called Deacademize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, take take out like all the statistics, a lot of the statistics and stuff that you have to have for a yeah. for, for a, an academic project. Yeah. And just make it a basic book on discipleship. And uh, so that's what I did. And pretty pretty happy with the way that it turned out, all in all. You know, one of the things we realize when we start working with declining churches, all three of us have been part of that as a replant team, we'll go and consult a dying church. It seems like discipleship is assumed, yeah. but it's mostly absent. Would you say that is true, Kyle? And then how does what, what you studied challenge churches to consider engaging in discipleship practices and patterns? Yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right in that... When, when you say discipleship is assumed, because what we saw for years and years 
through, you know, growing, what I saw growing up in children's ministry and RAs and youth ministry, you came to faith in Christ, were baptized, and then it was almost like, okay, here's the slate of activities that we have. You're going to do these things on Sunday morning. You're going to be involved in a, in a Sunday school class. You're going to be, be involved in something on Wednesday nights. And through those things, we think you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was assumed, but there wasn't I think you're right in that there wasn't a like real strategy to the way that those things were done. I mean, I probably fell into that trap when I was a youth minister as well. You know, we, you, you get bogged down in, into the weekly routine of, I've got to do Sunday morning routine, i got to do Wednesday night routine. And, and through that, I think our, our students will be discipled. And that's not the way the early church went about it, right? I mean, they, they, Acts 2, 42-47 tells us that they did certain things— and, but it was, an, it was a daily experience. It wasn't just a, they showed up at the temple for an hour on Wednesday nights and checked that off their weekly to-do list. They, they were involved in each other's lives. It was a robust discipleship experience that I don't think we've replicated all that well in the 21st century. Yeah, I, I've heard it said that we have reduced the Great Commission to the functional Great yeah. Commission of go into all the world, make more worship attenders, baptizing them in the name of small groups and teaching them to volunteer a few times a month. And then that's ministry. Yeah. And then that's okay. Now you're a disciple, right? If you ultimately what what we're communicating when we operate that way is you are an effective disciple. If you serve this organization and keep its programs running. Yeah. Right. And what you're proposing is, is a much different concept yeah. of discipleship. So talk to us about, especially for our primary audience, his smaller churches in need of replanting or in the process of replanting or in need of revitalization. What are the basics kind of that we can glean out of this that are are doable? Because culture is so different than it was during the first century church, right? You, right. you know, you had a little bit more flexibility in your time and yeah. less things going on. And so, you know, you could do this a little more than you can now at least as far as easier. So what are some of the highlights of some of the concepts that our listeners need to think about in applying this to discipleship in their churches? Yeah, so I think the the big topics that you can pull out of Acts 2 are, are the big takeaways, right? So, so, so Acts 2, 42 through 47 just starts and it says they devoted themselves to, and then it lists some things that they devoted themselves to, and it, and it goes through some of the ways that they devoted themselves to these things. And so there are six kind of primary chapters in the books. So they devoted themselves to Christ. That's the first thing, right? If you're, To be a follower of Christ is to be devoted to him. Yeah. And then these other things follow out, flow out of that. Then they devoted themselves to scripture, to fellowship, to prayer, to worship, and to evangelism. I mean, if you go back in SBC history, these are were called the five functions of the church, right? I mean, these... Mm-hmm. I, I didn't reinvent these concepts at all. These are basics, but I think there's something to be said for revisiting these very basic things yeah. and, and how they're played out. And and I think that's a key too. There are all kinds there's all kinds of discipleship material out there. There are all kinds of discipleship strategies. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Discipleship, even robust discipleship, does not have to be complicated. It can be simple, but you do need to think through, okay, what, what do we want a follower of Christ who spends three, five, seven, nine, ten years at our church, what do we want them to look like as they spend time, as they 
take part in the programs that we have? How do we want their faith to be shaped because they're a part of our local church? So, Kyle, one of the challenges of a normative-sized church is that the the pastor who has a heart for discipleship and wants to define what a disciple is, like you've mentioned, who does he do that with? Does he just declare, here's what a disciple looks like? Does he preach through a series of scripture? Does he work with lay leaders who are in, in charge you know, with kids areas and students and adults and senior adults and couples and those sorts of things. How do, how do you develop a picture of what a disciple looks like? Yeah, so I think it can take place in all of those things. I mean, it, you can start the process with a sermon series that explains kind of, hey, here's what discipleship looks like in the New Testament. I think where especially smaller church pastors, and and that's all I've ever experienced is smaller church. So I'm saying this as a criticism of, of myself and, and what I did. I think sometimes we can get so busy that we will say, hey, I'm going to start with the sermon series, and then I have some other things that I would like to build off of this. But you get so busy doing just week-to-week ministry that you never move beyond that sermon series. And so you've kind of planted this idea of, hey, here's here's what a disciple looks like. We're going to take this a little bit deeper and then you never make it to the deeper. So you can start it with a sermon series and plant that idea in some people's heads, but it's got to go beyond that. And so I think, you know, for me, when, when I was pastoring, one of the things that I think I did well was pouring into some young men in like one-on-one settings, right? So beyond just the Sunday morning gathering, getting guys, whether it was breakfast or coffee in the afternoon or whenever they were available and and walking through some of these same concepts because you've got to start somewhere. And so I would say, you know, you could use a sermon series to launch into that and say, hey, if you are interested in moving forward, talk to me and let, let's begin going deeper. And then you develop, ideally you develop some folks who can then turn around and pour into others and can pour into others. And that's, if you're familiar with Robert Coleman and Master Plan of Evangelism, that's kind of the pattern that he that, that he talks about Jesus developing is mm-hmm. spending time with people and then releasing them to, to pour into other people as well. The key to any discipleship process is it's got to be reproducible. And you as the pastor cannot be the only one that's doing it. it it's, it's never going to grow if, if that's how you're going to become the person that everyone comes to with their with all their stuff, you've got to hand that disciple making off. And that takes a long time. I mean, you're talking a years long process Mm -hmm. to develop that culture in a church. But that's where, you know, as we talk, preach, pray, love, and stay, that's where that stay piece really comes into play, where you can develop this discipleship pipeline that that can reproduce itself in the life of your church. I love the emphasis on pouring into young guys, like you talked about, because that has been my experience as well. And, you know, Mark Clifton talks about that in Reclaiming Glory, the kind of secret sauce of pouring into young guys like that. And I have found even in this role at NAM and with the association, sometimes I will talk to guys who are bivocational. They're working 50 hours a week in their non-church vocation. And so their time to give to this church that they're pastoring 
is so unbelievably limited that they really only have the scope to choose a couple of things, right? And for the most part, it's kind of like preach, pray, love, stay. That's the list. That's, that's they, they can preach, they can pray, they can love the everybody. Sick, visit the sick, yeah, yeah. that's love. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, they don't have time for much. And so one of the things I've always encouraged them, and I always say, look, don't, the last thing you need to do in that position is go read 20 books on church revitalization and try to apply all those strategies. You don't have the time, which you can do. Pick a couple guys, start discipling them, teach them how to disciple somebody. As a matter of fact, if all you did was preach, visit the sick, pray for your people, and disciple a couple guys, if you got the time, if you got the runway, that could lead to a much healthier church if they'll start discipling other people. Well, and in reality, I mean, so so you have two lanes primarily, right? If if that's you and and you're a bivocational guy who's working a full-time job, you preach and spend time with people. There are your two lanes. Yeah, and, that's good. And part of that is, I mean, you, ideally you can develop some leaders who could go make hospital visits so that you're not the point person for all of those as well. But, again, that takes – leadership development is really just discipleship. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, right? Sure. You, If you want to develop leaders, you start by discipling them, and then you hand off responsibilities to them. And so preach – and develop people, develop disciples, pour into people, and, and there are your two lanes. And, you know, if you're a full-time guy, spend your time with your people when they can spend time with you. So when I was in an Air Force community, in the, the last church I pastored in, in Alamogordo, it was a, there was an Air Force base right there. I mean, I would meet guys for breakfast at 4 a.m. because they said, that's when I get off work. That's when I can meet. Okay, then let's meet then. I, I don't, I don't want to make you adapt to my schedule. I'll, wow. uh, you know, and because yeah. I can say, hey, I spent an hour and a half with this guy. And I'm going back to bed. I'll see you at the office about 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right? You just, if you have the freedom to do that, great. If not, figure out a way to spend some time developing, and I would say develop young men, because if, as you develop young men, you're going to develop fathers, husbands, who are pouring into their families. And I think your, your church will reap the benefits of that. One of the things that Southern Baptists did for years and years is produce curriculum through Lifeway. And having come to Christ in my middle school years and then also working as a, a student intern, when, when a student would make a decision for Christ, we would get them something called the survival kit. Oh, yeah. Right? It was just kind of Rough this, neighbor. Yeah. this little document that they worked through. They yeah, re-released yeah, yeah. that in like 2019. Yeah. They re-released yeah, it. Yeah. So the, the question that I have, and this is this is one I'm asked often, and I was asked this question at a conference the other day. What book do you recommend on discipleship? Because I was making the point that there are two areas. If, if you can focus on two areas, it will help a church renew. These two areas are vital to that. One is discipleship and a defined discipleship development process or pipeline or pathway. And the second is evangelism, which is really part of discipleship. But yeah. but that combo specifically... Breaking, what you're saying is if we could make disciples, then make disciples. That's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you, Jimbo. But the guy asked me, he goes, what book do you recommend? Yeah. Right? Like there's one book or there's a couple of books. So mm-hmm. Kyle, you, when you mentioned, because we've, we've said get some guys and disciple them. Can we get granular on that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Are we taking them through survival kits? Are we doing spiritual disciplines of a godly man by R. K. Hughes? Are we doing spiritual disciplines for life like by Don Whitney? What are we doing? I'm going to throw out Tom Rainer's favorite response here. Do you know what that is? <laughs> it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It depends on your context. I mean, 
for it depends on honestly the guys that you're working with. Some guys sure. will do really well working through curriculum, working through books. I honestly like some of the best times that I've ever had. We just sat down with a guy, a couple of guys, opened up the Bible and had kind of a rubric of questions that we would ask on a passage. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this goes back to what I said earlier. You do not have to overcomplicate this. Yeah. Um, because if, so our church just came through the seven realities of experiencing God. We, we just did that. Even that scaled down version is still pretty robust. I mean, there's five days of homework. There are some guys that that would not work with, right? And so if you say, hey, you know, we're going to meet for an hour and then here's 30 minutes of homework I want you to do for the next five days. That, that's not going to happen. But if you just said, hey, bring your Bible. Let's get together for breakfast, for coffee. Let's sit down and we're going to go through this passage in Mark's gospel. And then we're going to ask these simple questions. What does this say about God? What does this say about man? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? Or is there a command to obey? Mm-hmm. Let's, just, let's just walk through those questions on every passage. And what you do in addition to that is you give your guys a framework, a hermeneutic for understanding the, the Bible, yeah. right? And then they begin to take that, take, take the Bible and begin to understand how to apply it to their lives. And you don't have to complicate it. There's not homework. It's let's get together. We're going to open up the Bible and see what God says. So what, what do you use? I mean, if you got a Bible, you've got what you need. It worked for a long time before Lifeway or any publishing house existed. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> that's not a knock yeah. on any of the uh, any of the material. There's yeah. wonderful discipleship material out there. I just I think we've relied on we've relied on discipleship material to make disciples when it was never meant to do that. It was the the Bible is the thing that makes disciples of Christ. Right. I love that, and I think that's so important for us to understand specifically for the normative size church and for certain populations that are going to struggle with you know, 12 week studies yeah. of chapters that are 20 pages yep. long, right? You know, 30, 30 chapters long. And, and, and so per chapter. So yeah, I mean, I think this is great. So if, if a guy, here's a, here's a hard question too, Kyle, cause I, we find this a lot too. What about the pastor who's never been discipled himself? Mm, yeah. What about that guy? That's good. I think that's where he needs a mentor. Where, where he needs somebody who's pouring into him as well. And, and, and I had that, and that's where I came across the, what's, what's called the sword method, what does it say about God, what does it say about man, those, those questions. It was through a, a guy at our state convention in New Mexico who, who got a group of pastors together and started walking through some discipleship training material and just said, hey, here's, here's what I've seen work. What if we applied this in our, in our churches? And with a method like that, you can, if you got a, a, another man in your church together, you can disciple each other in, in a way, which, I mean, I think there's some, if we believe in the priesthood of the believer, he has as much of the Holy Spirit as you do too. Mm-hmm. You find a mature believer and you begin to kind of co-disciple one another, but, but you've got to have somebody that's pouring into you. Uh, I would say an older, more seasoned leader who is pouring into you as well and being a, a discipler slash mentor in your own life and who can ask you hard questions who you know can say simply hey I, you know I, I know you said you you have this idea about your church here's why I wouldn't do that right now where you are yeah find somebody that can that can pour into you and your leadership will be will grow exponentially if you have somebody that can disciple you and help develop you as a leader yeah I think if you're a pastor that hasn't been discipled you find somebody to disciple you. Yep. 
and part of that is how do I disciple my people, mm-hmm. right? So find somebody that can disciple you in that. And, you know, talking about all these books we got to consider, one of them we got to consider is, hey, they devoted themselves <laughs> so by it, Dr. Kyle Bierman. It does cover uh, six six big things. And um, each at the end of each chapter, there's a couple of discussion questions or reflection questions. So if you're reading it through with a group, you, you can discuss them. If you're just reading it through by yourself, some, some really good things to uh, reflect on. And then at the end of each chapter, there's a suggestions for further reading by folks who are a lot smarter and wrote really, really good books that <laughs> you should read after you read mine. <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast, Kyle. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.